Amen. Well, happy Easter. So glad that you guys are here this morning. I'm seeing a lot of tucked in shirts. This is called a belt. Um, I don't know if you've probably never seen one on me before, but I wear them almost every Sunday. You just, they're hidden by the shirt tail. I figured Jesus can rise from the dead. I can tuck in my shirt. So that's kind of how this is going down. I uh, wanted to mention a few things to you. Uh, in your bulletin, you saw an insert for our next uh, sermon series. It's called Meligion. Meligion. Uh, we are going to talk about the fact that it's very, very, very easy for us um, to make our spirituality and our walk with God about us. Um, and it's not. Um, as we mature in Christ, as we grow up in the things of Christ, um, it becomes about others. It becomes about him, and, and we just begin to shrink and shrink and shrink in our own minds. And so we're going to be talking about that. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to have, actually, on the 17th of April, we're going to be having a special speaker uh, who's a missionary, and uh, we're also going to be having Compassion Sunday, where we're going to give you the opportunity to sponsor one of those Compassion children. Uh, our family has done that fairly recently, and we've really uh, enjoyed uh, just knowing that we're, we're, changing, we're changing someone's life. That we've never even met. And so it's, it's really cool. And we'll get you more information about that. Um, but I'm excited. We are finishing up our series called Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come. Have y'all enjoyed the series? I, I, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, if, if you haven't um, heard any of the previous sermons, we got a lot of different ways for you to hear them, okay? Uh, we've got the CDs in the foyer. We ask a dollar for those just to cover our costs. Um, we've got the website, vfcthomasville.org. If you go up to sermons, all of our sermons for the past few years are up there. Uh, usually the newer ones have video and audio, and the, uh, the older ones have just video. We also, if you're a, a podcaster, uh, we also have the VFC uh, podcast where you can, on any of the different podcast platforms, you can listen to the Sunday morning services. So we really want to get the word in you. Because that's what gets the results that we want, right? Absolutely. And so uh, we encourage you, go back and, and listen to these, this series on uh, the kingdom. We've been asking the question, what might happen if we welcomed the reign of God? We talked about um, in my life, the, the, the kingdom of God gets to come into your life if you let it. Uh, we talked about in my workplace, we spend most of our time during, a work, during the work week at work, right? So it would only make sense that, you know, we ask the question, Lord, how can you rule, how can you reign in our workplace? Uh, then uh, last week, our youth pastor, Chance, uh, talked about the kingdom coming to our homes. How many of you know that we need God in our homes, right? Yeah, I mean, we can't subcontract out uh, the peace of God to someone else. We need to bring it to our own homes. Right? That's how that works. And then, of course, the, um, this, this morning uh, we're talking about in the earth. I, I want to review really quickly for you what the kingdom of God is. It's one of those things, the kingdom of God. We don't really know, we don't really know what that means sometimes, you know. Um, but here's the definition. The kingdom of God is God's government, God's government currently active in heaven demonstrated on earth by Jesus and offered to humanity. You enter the kingdom of God by submitting to God's instructions. That's pretty easy, right? I mean, it's not always 
easy to submit to God's instructions, but at least it's not, how do I enter the kingdom? What do I do? Look, this is it. The kingdom of God is already operating in heaven without any, um, any problems, all right? No one's in the way of the kingdom in heaven. Down here, Jesus demonstrated what it would look like if someone was living according to kingdom principles. And then as we yield or submit to his instructions, his way of doing things, we too enter the kingdom. Isn't that awesome? You get to be a kingdom citizen. You have dual citizenship, right? How many of you are citizens of the United States? Yeah? All right? We don't need to call, like, the the ICE in here, right, the immigration services or anything. (laughs) Just playing. Um, Yeah, we're we're all, so our natural kingdom for most of us is the United States. But, But we also have a spiritual kingdom that's available to us that we can enter into as well. And so I just want to, for this morning, I want to let you know something. This is cool. We're going to back up, look at the big picture, and it it is this, is that through the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God's kingdom has come to the earth and is now available for anyone to enter into. Through the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God has come to earth. And we studied in the first week, uh, Jesus often said the kingdom of God is at hand. All right, And we gave the, the, uh, the illustration, it's like if someone has fallen and they can't get up, okay, and someone reaches out a helping hand. That's what that means. It is drawn near, the kingdom has drawn near with the intent of connection and joining to someone else. Okay, That someone else is you. The kingdom has come, all right? And you get the opportunity to enter into it. So I want to tell you this morning three things about Jesus. Three things that you should know about him, all right, that make you able to enter into the kingdom, okay? Are y'all, are y'all, can you handle three things? I feel like you can handle three things. I feel like you can do that, okay? I trust you. I believe in you. All right, sweet. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Jesus is God up close. Jesus is God up close. Now, I'm going to share with you some scriptures that if you hang out around me for any amount of time, eventually I'm going to bring this up. Because this is so much fun for me um, to read and to discover who Jesus really is. And so we're going to look. You can turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to see uh, exactly who Jesus is. Now, it's real important. We go through this in the 101 class that we'll have this fall. I encourage you to sign up if you haven't been through it. We go through looking at biblical context. We go through uh, the concept of, um, of, of seeing when you're reading Scripture, you have to know who it was written to, why it was written, uh, and, and what is the intent of the author? You can't just pick scriptures at random, right? Are you all with me? And so you have to know what's going on. Well, this book is called Hebrews. So who do you think it's written to? The Hebrews. That's right. Which are Jewish people, the Israelites, okay? And so the, the author of Hebrews here is, is trying to, uh, to let the Hebrew people know what a big deal Jesus is, okay? And so... Here we go. It's Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the followers and my prophets, 
has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the power, by the word of his power, he has, uh, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He keeps going on and going on. Here's the point. Jesus is God up close. If you ever wonder what God's like, I mean, you're like, God, what do you want with me? God, why do you allow these things? God, what, what, what's important to you, right? If you ever wonder what God is like, you need to look at Jesus. You need to look at Jesus. Jesus is who God is the clearest, most recent expression of what God, and that's why it's so important that when we're reading scripture, that we focus on Jesus because he's the clearest, most recent representation of who Jesus is. Let's look at this other verse. This is Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. I love this. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Okay, so this is going to be a very difficult question. I need you to put your thinking caps on. Has anyone ever seen God the Father? Okay, no, you haven't. I can answer that for you because you'd like burn to a crisp or something. Like you can't handle it, you know what I mean? Like he's too much for us. But you know what? You may not have actually seen the Father in the flesh, but you know what? You've seen what he's like as you read about the life of Jesus because Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. It continues in verse 19, all right? It says, for God in all his fullness... The greatness, the bigness of God was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. And he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on uh, on the cross. Okay, all right. So God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. I've got another difficult question for you. Are you on earth? Hey, good job. You are on earth right now. So that means that God has made peace with you. But, Jamie, you don't know what I've done. I don't really care. I mean, you can tell me if you want to, uh, and I won't tell anyone else, and, you know, we'll pray about it. But I, it doesn't matter what you've done. See, through the cross of Christ, God made peace with everyone on earth. That includes you, okay? That includes you. And so Jesus is God up close. Jesus was not only the mechanism by which God could come in contact with man. He is the express image of God. Okay, so we need to understand that Jesus got up close. And as we continue this morning, I want you to keep that in mind. You know, as we celebrate the resurrection, I mean, you notice who is not on the cross this morning? Jesus. He's not on the cross. He's not there. All right. He's, he's resurrected. And as we continue to focus on that, I, I, don't, I want you to remember that Jesus is God. And he's the clearest representation of what the Father is like. Amen. Amen. Okay, cool. So here's the other thing I want you to know about Jesus. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Uh, John uh, 5, 39, and we won't turn there for the sake of time. John 5, 39, uh, Jesus tells a bunch of Pharisees, he's like, hey, you search the scriptures. You're looking for eternal life in the scriptures. He goes, but here's the deal. The scriptures are talking about me. They're talking about me, all right? And then even before that, in John chapter 4, 
he just outright says, I'm the Messiah. <laughs> I am the Messiah. I'm the one. I am the Jewish Messiah, okay? Now you say, well, hold on, hold on. I'm not Jewish. We'll get to you in a second. <laughs> but I want you to understand that Jesus, the God that we worship, the one that we're celebrating his resurrection, his, his first mission was to be the Jewish Messiah, okay? It's, it's pretty awesome. So there are, in the Old Testament, around 300 prophecies about the coming Jewish Messiah, about what he would do, what he would be like, what he would say. And Jesus fulfills every single one of them. Now, many of you just said, okay, cool, he fulfilled them. Right, okay, this is like an amazing, an amazing accomplishment, that Jesus would fulfill over 300 prophecies about the Messiah. There is a book uh, that's called Science Speaks by a guy named Peter Stoner. And what he did, he was actually a professor, and he got a bunch of students to use uh, scientific statistical research to figure out whether or not, um, or the, to figure out the probability that one person would, would meet Eight of the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, okay? These are the actual prophecies. It's stuff like the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem, uh, the Messiah is to be preceded by a messenger. Anyone heard of John the Baptist? That was him, okay? He's to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. He'll be betrayed by a friend. He'll be sold for 30 pieces. That's a very exact number, um, Sold for thirty pieces. The money that the Messiah is sold to will be thrown to the potter's, uh, thrown to the potter in God's house. The Messiah will be silent before his accusers, um, and the Messiah is to be executed by crucifixion as a thief. These are the eight things. Now, don't check on me, okay? We're going to talk about probability. Do y'all, do y'all know what I mean when I say probability? Okay. All right. Let me let me show you an illustration. Okay. I have in this bag. Hey, Ethan, will you come help me? By the way, it's Ethan's birthday today. He was. It's like, happy birthday, man. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead, though. So you got, you know, some more work to do. But so we have in this, <laughs> it's the ultimate Jesus juke. So we have in this bag, I've got a bunch of tennis balls, okay? And, and we're going to put uh, all these tennis balls. If you'll put all those tennis balls in this basket, buddy. Now, one of these tennis balls is orange. It's been marked. It's a different color, okay? And so we have 10 tennis balls, uh, one of which has orange on it. Are you all with me? Has anyone checked out so far? Okay, cool. All right, so we put these in these baskets. Okay, now I'm just going to mix these up. I need you to look away for a second, okay? All right. Look away. Ethan, look away. All right. Now I want you, don't look in, just grab one out. Let's see. Oh, it's a yellow one. So see, there's a one in ten probability that he's going to grab that orange one. Okay, put it back. Let's just shake it up some more. All right, don't look. Grab another one. Oh, it's a yellow one. Okay, put it back in. All right, we're going to shake this up some more. All right, it's a one in ten chance, okay? Oh, it's a yellow one, okay? All right, let's keep going. Let's see if we can see if we can do this. Hey, there he goes. We got it. All right, congratulations. You can put it back in there. Thanks, Ethan. Happy birthday, buddy. So, so it took us several tries to grab that orange one because even though it was just a one in ten probability that he would grab the orange tennis ball, y'all with me? How many of y'all, well, you don't need to raise your hand here, but I don't judge, I love. <laughs> How many of you bought a Powerball ticket this last January when it was so high? Uh, a few people? Yeah, I did. Actually, Ethan and I went out, uh, I, I, uh, we went out and right before the drawing, we were like, I'm going to buy one for each kid. It was just a fun thing for us to go do. 
and uh, waste money on. And um, the, so at the highest point, the Powerball probability, the, the probability of winning Powerball was 1 in 292 million. One in 292 million. And that's why it took so long. You remember they had a bunch of drawings and no one won. And then finally, eventually someone won because people were buying like tons and tons and tons of tickets. Okay, That was one in 292 million. Okay, So in this book, Stoner says that by applying the modern science of probability to just these eight prophecies, these eight that you see in front of you right here, we find that the chance that any man might have lived down to the present time and fulfilled all eight prophecies is one in 100 quadrillion. That is a one with 17 zeros behind it. That's the probability that Jesus, that one person, would fulfill just eight of the messianic, uh, of the messianic uh, prophecies. So in order to illustrate, he says, all right, let's use, now this is a silver dollar. Okay, we don't really use these a whole lot anymore. Um, they're actually worth more than a dollar. This is worth about 20 bucks. It's pure silver. He goes, take 100 quadrillion silver dollars. Okay, and you're going to have a problem immediately. Is that there is no building on earth anywhere close to being large enough to store 100 quadrillion silver dollars. Okay, he says, take all these coins... Mark one, and you're going to need to put them in the entire state of Texas. Has anyone been driven through Texas? I drove the youth group through Texas. Yeah, it was not fun. It was flat, it was boring, and the youth were crazy, okay? Um, <laughs> but I love you guys. So, so take 100 quadrillion silver dollars, mark one of them, just kind of like the tennis ball. One of them was a different color. Mark them, and in, even in the state of Texas, it's going to be two feet deep. Two feet deep of these things, the whole state of Texas. All right, blindfold a guy, fly him in a helicopter <laughs> over Texas, and then he can, whenever he feels like it, give the command at random to be set down. He gets out of the helicopter. He can walk as long as he wants to. He reaches down, and he grabs one of the silver dollars, and it just happens to be the marked one. That's the odds of one, <laughs> one. Hundred one in one hundred quadrillion. That's eight prophecies. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Well, Stoner doesn't stop there. What about sixteen messianic prophecies? He goes. The probability for that one will be one in ten to the forty-fifth power. One in ten to the forty-fifth power. That's the probability that one person will fulfill just sixteen messianic prophecies in their lifetime. All right. He says, now this is, this is crazy. This is where, you know, I'm going to need you to really focus and don't pass out on me, okay? He says that the earth is not big enough to hold the amount of silver dollars necessary for this number. You just, you, the, the, you can't put it on the earth, okay? Uh, it would actually, this amount of silver dollars would create a sphere, a globe, 60 times greater than the distance from the earth to the sun, 60 times greater than the distance from the earth to the sun. It would take over 400 years to fly a commercial airliner flight all the way around this globe of silver dollars. And it's not just the outside, it's inside as well. It's a globe, okay? That's the amount of silver dollars it would take. And then you do the same thing, and what's the probability of some, that huge, massive globe, 60 times bigger than the earth to the sun? 
someone just randomly picks it out. That's just 16 messianic prophecies. If you started flying, if you're trying to fly around this globe, it'd take over 400 years. So if you started when the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock in 1620, you'd still be flying right now. You'd also be dead. But you wouldn't have finished circling the globe, okay? So, so, that's, so isn't that crazy? That's 16. All right, so then things get really crazy. He says, what would happen? What's the probability that one person will fulfill 48 prophecies? That number is 1 in 10 to the 157th power. That's what that looks like. That someone would fulfill 48. One person at one point in time. Because you've got to remember these prophecies. Some of them were written a thousand years before the time of Jesus. They were written by different people. They were written in different languages. They were I mean, all sorts of different stuff. Okay, So it would be 1 in 10 to the 157th power. Now this is where my mind just kind of checks out. And I think, okay, what's on TV? Right? This, is, this is where I can't really comprehend this a whole lot anymore. But this, they go on and they talk about electrons are the smallest thing. And, and so, you know, if you lined up electrons and counted them, it's ridiculous. Okay? Do you remember how many prophecies I said there were? 300. 300. And Jesus met them all. There's no question that Jesus is the promised Messiah that the Old Testament talks about. All right? Jesus is the promised Messiah. And it was prophesied about for thousands of years, even before he showed up, and he met every single one of them. Isn't that amazing? You serve an amazing, incredible God. There's no question that he's real, and there's no question that he has done what he's intended to do. Okay? But there's even better news. Besides just Jesus being the Jewish Messiah, which is wonderful, Jesus is your Savior as well. He's your Savior as well. And we see this um, even in some of the Old Testament prophecies. There's one in Isaiah 49 where it says, hey, by the way, because <laughs> the Jews were really big into nationalism and, and, and their heritage and culture, and they should, they should be. It's great. They were God's chosen people. But Isaiah tipped them off and said, look, just so you know, uh, the Messiah is not just going to be for you guys. He's going to be for everyone. And then we can read uh, scriptures like 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. It says, Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be Savior of the world. The world, the entire earth, and all of its population. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Not just, not just the Jews. He is their prophesied Messiah. And dramatically so, he, we can see that he is. But he's also, we can also have full confidence that Jesus is our Savior as well. He's your Savior He's your Savior. He is the one. He has come to set the entire world free. I want to show you this verse, and I'm actually going to have it. It's Romans 6, 7 through 10. This is in the message, and I want you to read along with me if you can. Um, it says this, What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end, of death as the end. 
Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive, alive, he brings God down to us. Jesus is your Savior. Now, I don't know all the details of your life. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what path you're currently on right now. But I don't have to know all that information to be able to tell you with 100% accuracy that Jesus is your Savior. And as we said from the very beginning, through his birth, which we celebrate at Christmas, through his death, which we celebrated on Friday, call it Good Friday. I understand why we call it Good Friday, but that's got to be an awkward conversation with Jesus. It's like Jesus is like, hey, I hear you're celebrating my death. It's like, yeah, yeah, we do. We call it... Bad Friday. (laughs) We call it Good Friday because of what it did for us. It was a Good Friday in that we were able, we were able to, to take his righteousness, take his healing, take everything that he has for us. And he took all of our junk. Look, here's the thing. I know you have junk in your life. I know you do. I do too. I do too. Pastors aren't perfect. They're just called to be pastors. And so we do the best we can. If any pastor ever tells you he's perfect, run. (laughs) Run. He's lying, and that makes him imperfect. Okay? Run, like sprint, like like run into trees on the way out. Okay? Like seriously. Like you'll heal, just get out of there. So so through his death, we celebrated on, on Good Friday, and then this morning, glorious resurrection, where we get... We get to celebrate the fact that Jesus is unlike any other religious leader or spiritual path that anyone has ever come up with. He is God himself taking on the weight of humanity's sin. And when he died, it was because of us. But when he rose, it was to show us, here is what is coming next for you. And all you have to do this morning, all you have to do is believe in Jesus. Well, Jamie, don't we have to act right? Yeah, you're going to act right. You're going to need to act right. You are. But that comes after salvation. We talked about this a few weeks ago. We did the salvation equation, right? We talked about you do good works not to get saved. You do good works because you have been saved. You can't even really do good works until you've been saved anyway. Okay? And so... Through the death, the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, we get to experience God. He literally, I love how this verse says, it says, alive, Jesus brings God down to us. Guys, Jesus is God. He's the clearest, most recent expression of what God is like. All right? And he has set his sights on you. He said, I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that one. I want that one. Do you know God chooses who can be saved? He does. And he chose everyone. (laughs) He chose everyone. People are like, well, does God choose if you get? Yeah, sure, sure. And he chose you. He chose you. He chooses everyone. And now it's by his grace that we're saved. But now it's our job through faith when he extends the hand of the kingdom to you, that you reach your hand back. And you say, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be a part of your kingdom. I'm going to do things your way. You are overwhelmingly the Messiah. 
overwhelmingly the Messiah. And that Jewish Messiah was not just for them, it's for all of us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer. My question to you is this. As we close out this series, as we reflect upon resurrection, are you allowing the kingdom of God to reign in your life? Are you? Are you allowing the kingdom of God, God's rule, God's reign, God's way of doing things, are you allowing it to rule in your life? Are you making the decisions necessary to see the kingdom of God blossom and bloom in your life? See, here's the thing, guys. I, I love you all so much, and I, and I, but I can't make that decision. I can't answer that question for you. I, I'm not at home when you're at home, and I can't force you to make the decisions that, that make the kingdom of God enter into your home. I, I, can't, I'm, I don't shadow you at work. <laughs> I, I can't help you make those decisions. I, I can't make those decisions for you when you're at work to usher in the kingdom of God. It's between you and the Lord. You have to allow the kingdom of God to rule and to reign in your life. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads for prayer.